You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. I've been doing a series. Thank y'all. I've been doing, you can have a seat. I've been doing a series called If I Were the Devil. And I remember when the Lord dropped that in my heart. I don't know where it was. I think it was in October. And that's a lot of, I, I guess for me, that's a really weird t- title because if I've got to say it all the time, I don't want anyone to think I'm the devil and because uh, we're on opposing sides. But And I know what he was doing. Now, listen to me. There's two different perspectives in the church world. And, and part of the church that maybe you came, up, came out of, they never talked about the devil. In other words, everything that happened was just from a sovereign God. There wasn't anything you could do about it. You're just supposed to put up with it. And whatever happened, whatever shall be, whatever will be, will be. And so that's the, their theme song. And so that means to them there's no devil. There's really no reason to pray. There's really no reason to be in faith. You just life, you just take it and you hold on until you get to heaven. And that's all you can do. Then on the other side, though, there's a group of people, which probably we're more a part of that you can get to talking about the devil too much and you can get them to everybody wants to talk about what the devil's doing and then they almost start sneaking their bless his holy name you know because they talk about him so much and I've always tried to go right down the middle with that because if you ignore him he won't go away and if you over talk about him you'll draw him to you And so we want to stay right down the middle. So when the Lord gave me this, I'm very cautious about that. I don't want you to be devil-minded. I want you to be God-minded. How many know we already have the victory? But the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 2, verse 11. It says that we are not to be, what? Ignorant. Why? Lest Satan should get an advantage. And so people who are ignorant of the devil's devices or mode of operation, they are going to be taken advantage of. And I don't know about you, but I do not like to be taken advantage of. Amen? And if the Bible, by the Holy Ghost, through the Apostle Paul, warns you, and really the epistles are full of the warnings of the Spirit of God concerning your enemy. And so I need you to be wise, not tilting too much to, I don't want you to become devil-minded, but I do want you to understand his weapons because you and I are not going to be ignorant. Amen? Because I don't want him to get an advantage over you, and obviously the Spirit of God does not want the enemy to gain an advantage of you. Everybody say, I win. win. Everybody say, I always win. And how are we always going to win? One of the ways is to be preemptive. And if I know what the devil's going to try to do to me, then I can be aware of it. Number one, he's going to try to do, he's going to get you in strife. Everybody say, no strife. What's what's the cure for strife? Unity. I'm going to walk in unity. Because where the unity is, there the Lord commands the blessing. Why is the devil trying to keep us, anybody in strife? In, In a family, in a marriage, in a church, in a business, in a city, in a nation. Why? Because with that, uh, with strife and envy comes what? Every evil work. So if the devil can get you to do that. Number two, you and I are not going to be in unforgiveness. Everybody say, I'm walking in love. Because that's the cure, right? 
I'm going to walk in love, so I'm not going to be in unforgiveness. And if you're in unforgiveness, you've got to get that fixed because Jesus, when we look at Mark 11, 23 through 24, we can't stop there because he took a breath and he said in 25 and 26, he said, if you have unforgiveness while you stand praying the prayer of faith, you got to deal with it. Because unforgiveness causes the enemy to have a hold in your life that God can't push through to get you even what he desires in his heart. So that's a big one. Everybody say, I'm walking in love. Come on, forgive everybody and anybody. Doesn't mean that you have to be best buddies with somebody that hurt you. It just means you got to forgive them. You know, I always say it like this, and I'll say it one more time. You know, if somebody really does somebody some harm, they can get forgiven while they're wearing an orange jumpsuit. And I don't mean that mean, but the truth of the matter is, if someone does something natural, it doesn't mean that they don't still receive natural consequences where they lose relationships. And Jesus said, woe to the one who brings the offense. And you can't do away with the woes. And if, you've ever, if I've ever married you and done your wedding ceremony, you know I like the woe. Woe to anyone who tampers with this holy marriage. I like the woes because we got to know about the woes. And the Bible says, woe to the one who brings the offense. And so you and I are not, not only are we not, are we, we're going to live in, uh, in forgiveness, but we're not going to bring offense to people. Amen? That's our goal. All right? So the third one, that what I'm going to talk about today, I'm going to bring it down a little more to you, to where you live. And so I'm going to call this one the assault or the onslaught of the devil against you personally. And so we're going to look at that because if I know his devices towards me, then I know I can overcome. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. So all this that I'm giving you is so that you can walk in the victory over what your enemy is trying to do. And so if I were the devil, the first thing I would do was mess with your mind morning, noon, and night. If I were the devil, I would mess with your mind. Number one, he knows that part of you didn't get saved. And so it is his, have you ever, uh, Joyce Meyer had a great book, one of her classics, The Battlefield of the Mind, because that's what happens. So if I were the devil, I would try to plant a stronghold in your mind. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 3 through 5. For if we walk in the flesh, we don't war after the flesh, verse 4. says, for the weapons of our warfare, they are not what? But they're mighty through God to the pulling down of what? Now it's about to tell you where those strongholds are. Verse number five, casting down imaginations. So if I were the devil, I would make you imagine things. I would make you, and you can just hold that scripture up there. I would make you, um, uh, when I walked into the room, if somebody was talking, I would make you imagine they were talking about you. Come on, that's where we live. When I went into work and nobody said hello, if I were the devil, I'd make you imagine you're about to get canned. I'd make you imagine that they're plotting. So what does he do? He brings thoughts, pictures to make you imagine. What? For what purpose? To put a stronghold of you. What's that stronghold? It really has a lot to do with fear. A stronghold is a fortified place. It is a pattern of thinking to bring you down. 
And so if I were the devil, I'd give you imaginations. I would give you an every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I would come against you with things that, that pull down the knowledge of God. In other words, I would try to do things to you to make you uh, uh, um, think opposite of who God says he is in the word. In other words, I'd do things to you to make you think he's not good. That he doesn't heal. That he's not on time. That he's not for you. I would, make the, I, would, I would do things to make your imagination and your thought, press, thought, press, thought process kind of go wacky. I, I would mess with you. And see, a lot of times, uh, I didn't know this. Uh, my spiritual father used to say this, um, and I love this. You, can, you can't keep a bird. <laughs> this is one of my favorite sayings of all. You can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep one from making a nest in your hair. In other words, I can't control every thought that comes to my mind, but I don't have to meditate on it, and I don't have to keep it. Because you got to know what thoughts are from God, what thoughts are from you, and what thoughts are from the devil. If I were the devil, I would bring you imaginations. I would bring you thoughts that exalt itself against the knowledge of God. And, and, and so that, that, that's what I would do. Number two, you can take that down. Let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse number two. Roman, if I were the devil... Concerning your mind, the Bible says this, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So if I were the devil, I would keep you, I would, um, I would keep you conformed to this world. I would put thoughts in your mind that will keep you conformed to the way you used to be. How am I going to do that? I'm going to keep you away from renewing your mind. I'm going to make you think reading and studying the Bible and not looking at Pastor Mark's daily bread every day. I'm going to make you think that that doesn't really help you. I'm going to make you think that once a week is enough on Sunday morning because pastor will give me enough uh, you know, good, good word that I can hold on. If I were the devil, that's what I'd do to you. I would, I would try to keep you, your thought process, conformed to this world. Because we don't want you getting too wild now. We don't want you thinking like God. I would tell you and try to convince you that God's thoughts are beyond your thoughts. I would try to get you to stay there. Um, um, I would try to get you to not mess with your mind because you realize that if you start thinking and talking like God, you're going to be abnormal from the world. Because you're going to think different and talk different and you're really not going to fit in. And I'm going to exemplify, I'm going I'm to shine that on you to keep you conformed. Because as the enemy, if I want you to, to not move out beyond, I'm going to try to make sure that you stay conformed. And when I'm doing that, if I can keep you conformed, aren't you glad I'm not the devil? But see, listen to me, he's doing this anyway. And whether you know it or not, he's still doing it. And to be armed with the knowledge of his weapons is making you not ignorant so that you can say, okay, uh, what do I need to be doing? Because if, I, if the devil can keep you and I conformed to this world, then he can also keep us out of the will of God. How do I know that? Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind that you may prove. You see, it tells me that people who don't renew their mind very rarely get into the perfect will of God. People who don't walk with a renewed mind, who are not thinking God's thoughts, cannot, because you can't prove. How, how will you know? 
Well, I'm led in my spirit. Yeah, but eventually, even though it's led in your spirit, you're going to have to get it up into the reasoning somehow. And your reasoning, if it's not conformed to God's word, if it's conformed to this world, if you're not being transformed, then you're going to think like the world thinks, talk like the world talks, act like the world acts, and all you are and I are are men men and women not able to find out the will of God. Oh, if I were the devil, I would keep you confused. I would keep you thinking like before you were born again. And besides that, if you made a little progress, I would amp it up to try to pull you back in line. You understand? Because the devil doesn't want you. In other words, he, what is, so you can prove what is good, acceptable, and perfect. I don't believe there's three kinds of wills. I believe those are adjectives. Uh, those are expressions of what it's like to be in the will of God. It's good. It's acceptable. It's perfect. I don't believe there's three different wills. Well, I'm just walking in the permissive will of God. Well, stop it. It's not perfect, but it's good. Well, quit it. How many of you want to walk in the perfect will of God? How do we get there? Transform our minds. Go through the metamorphosis process. If I were the devil, Romans chapter 8, verses 6 and 7, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Verse 7. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law, neither can it be. If I were the devil, I would keep you in a place where your mind was not renewed because he knows the carnal mind is an enemy to God. And if I can keep you thinking like the world, if, I can, if, I, if, the, if the devil can keep you thinking like you did before you're born again. And unfortunately, and I'm not trying to poke at this, but if a nominal Christian, if someone who's born again, they're going to heaven. But while they're here on earth, it's no wonder the devil runs over people. That they don't resist what they should be resisting because they don't know any better. And to be ignorant of his devices will do what? The Bible says, oh man, this is, this is not small. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. But go up to verse 6 again. It says to be carnally minded is what? We're not, this is not just about you knowing the word. This is not just about you reading your Bible. If we don't do something with our mind or we refuse to go after the born-again experience and renew our mind, then to think like the devil, to, to, have that go, to have strongholds from the devil, it will eventually produce death in, of some sort. Not just physical death, but maybe death of relationships. Death of your career. Death of something in your family. Death of your dreams. To be carnally minded. So that's why the devil, so now some of you may understand. Because see, people don't understand. Why, why is there such a warfare? Why, why is the devil so much after my thought life? Because he knows if he can get your thought life, he can bring death. If he knows that he can mess with your, uh, you know, your mind, keep you carnal, what he can do is keep you out of the will of God. What he can do is put a stronghold in you, get you thinking a certain way, and it'll keep you... Uh, from um, realizing all that God has for you. So number one, the devil, what he'll do is you ought to understand is he is really working overtime on your mind. And at the same time, what I want you to understand is while he's doing that, because see, the devil, 
The devil is not the enemy. Your enemy is not just doing one thing to you at a time. I, t- I told you I call this his assault. Because what he does is when the devil comes, he, he, he's working in different things altogether. So the other thing he'll do is he'll attack your gates. How many know I teach you all the time, how many gates you got? How many gates you got? You got three gates. What are they? They're your eye gate, your ear gate, and your mouth gate. The devil not only attacks your mind, but then he begins to go after your gates. Why? Because what he knows is where it leads to. Those three gates, and what am I talking about? Your sense realm. He, he assaults your sense realm because he knows what it leads to. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Uh, you know, if I, if I was preaching a little more, somebody could shout, tell on the devil. Because that's what I'm doing. And if you know what he's doing, then you can have a reaction to it. You can be prepared. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear unto my... Do what? Incline your what? Let them not depart from your where? Your eyes. Why? Because you can keep them in the midst of your heart. For their life unto those that find them in health to all their flesh. Then what does it say? Guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow what? Put away from thee a froward what? And perverse. So there's three gates. Excuse me. There's three gates right there. Your eye gate, your ear gate, and your mouth gate. And they all lead to your heart. So the devil is trying to assault all three. So what does he do? Come on. Any more than any generation. Your eyes, your ears, and your mouth are being assaulted Because of how easy it is to receive information. Your eye gate. Your eye gate. Your ear gate. Your mouth. I mean, didn't Jesus say, be careful what you hear? He's even talking about hearing the word. but And be careful how you hear it. But he said, be careful what you hear. Because when you hear the word, what is that? That's seed. That's got to go through your eye gate, your ear gate, your mouth gate. To do what? Get in your heart. So what does the devil, your enemy, try to do? He throws the little weeds. Doubt, unbelief. Not only that, sin, um, confusion, stress, strife, anything he can do. Where does he try to get it through? At the same time he's messing with your mind, he's assaulting all three of your gates. Amen? But there's an answer to all of it. You see, it doesn't matter what the devil tries to do. The Lord's told us what to do. And so if we know what the devil is doing, then you, what I'm trying to get you to do, what the Lord's trying to get you to do, is understand the enemy and his attack and the, 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 his, the way he operates because then you're ready. So now what do you got to do? Well, I'm going to guard my gates. I'm going to guard my gates. Uh, the mouth gate. Um, the, didn't the Bible say you're snared by the words of your mouth? Didn't the Bible say life and death is in what? So if I were the devil, I'd get you to talk what you see. I'd get you to talk what you see. So why? So you can always only have what you see. You know, people make fun of people who, who talk about words and their importance. They call us the name it and claim it and the blab it and grab it. 
Well, I don't know why you would make fun of Jesus. I don't know why you'd make fun of the Lord. Because he's the one, he's the word, and he's the, and, and the word of God is very clear on this subject. And he's the one that told us to talk to mountains. And so if you come against that, you're really coming against the head of the church. And it just is a lack of understanding. And just because some people go crazy and have done things, you know, I say it all the time. You know, uh, people use cars to hurt people, but I'm still going to drive mine. You understand? Just because somebody has done something wrong with it, don't you pull away from it. The enemy, at the same time, he is, he's messing with your mind. He's trying to get to your gates. And then, at the same time, the other thing he's going to do is he's going to try to tempt you in your flesh. Turn with me to James chapter 1. Everybody cozy out there? James chapter 1, verses 12 through 15. Blessed is the man that endures temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he is tempted, he is tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away with his own lust and enticed. Then when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. So as the devil is messing with your mind, as he is messing with the gates that lead to your heart... At the same time, he's going to, this is why it's an assault. The same time, he's trying to tempt your flesh. Does anybody got any flesh in the room? Are you still living on the earth? How many of you know you got a new nature, but you didn't get a new flesh? And yet, the Bible tells us what to do. But the first thing that the devil does, he tempts your flesh. Then he tempts the lust of your flesh. Why? Because he he wants you, uh, you know, that temptation, and uh, he brings the temptation. And then when it, it meets or merges with the lust of your flesh, the Bible uses the word conceive. It's like a man and a woman getting together to conceive a child. And so if you, if you do away with one part of it, so if you're understanding that the devil's coming to tempt your flesh, I'm sorry you have flesh, but you do. And if you understand what he's coming for, then you can be aware of it. And you don't let that lust of your flesh and the temptation of the devil conceive. Because if it conceives, it'll produce sin. And if sin is produced, it always produces death. So what is the devil trying to do? If I were the devil, I would tempt your flesh all the time. Why? Because if I can get you to yield and participate in sin, I can produce death in your life. How I many you know everybody say I'm not participating? Because see, if I'm aware of it now and I know what he's trying to do, I don't have to participate. I said, I don't have to participate. I mean, the Bible talks about, I don't have time to look at it, but Romans 8, uh, verses 8 and 13, uh, it's up there. So, so then that they are of the flesh cannot please God. Let's put up 13. And then it says, for if you live after the flesh, you'll do what? So the de- how many know the devil? I know he, you, you don't like to think this, but he does know the word. 
And so when he attacks, he's going to go after your flesh. He's going to go after your weaknesses. Everybody say the devil. Everybody says, our people say, well, the devil's stupid. No, he knows your weakness. And, and he knows the weakness of your flesh. And he doesn't like you. As a matter of fact, he hates you. And this is something that kept coming up to me last night as I was really praying over this. He, I, it's like the Lord was trying to get me to tell you, y'all, the devil's not playing. Please, you all need to quit playing. The devil's not playing. So y'all need to quit playing. He doesn't mean just to mess with you. He's trying to steal from you. He's trying to kill you. And he's trying to destroy your life. He ain't playing, so we, we got to quit playing. Quit messing around. And if I know his weapons, then I've got the upper hand. And even though he's coming at me and he's trying to mess, you know, with my mind, if he's trying to mess with my gates and, and he's trying to get me to yield to my flesh, at least I know that. And to be forewarned is to be forearmed. And I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Are you all ready? Yeah. Are you, re you understand that he's coming? Yeah. So what am I going to do? Well, uh, Galatians 5.16 says what? If you walk in the... Spirit. Everybody say spirit. spirit. Come on. If you walk in the spirit, you'll not fulfill the... And so in other words, then I can get rid of... And this is what I found. If I walk in the spirit, it's easier to renew my mind. If I walk in the Spirit, it'll help me guard my gates. If I walk in the Spirit, I will not produce the lusts of my flesh. Now listen up. I'm not the devil, but if I were the devil, I'd keep you out of the Spirit. I'd keep you out. What would I do? I'd make you so busy. I'd make other things way more important to you. I'd make God the last thing on your mind, and just as you go to sleep, you'd think, oh, I forgot to read my Bible. I didn't pray today. I'll do it tomorrow. If I were the devil, I'd keep you so far away. Even at Cornerstone Word of Life, yeah, but Pastor, we have a spiritual church. Yeah, but that's like saying, I I'm going to get one meal a week. For the rest of my this is something you got to practice. This is something you got to live in every day, because the devil doesn't take Monday off. But that's why so many people find it hard to get to church these days. I'm going to get ahead of myself. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Everybody say, I'm going to walk in the Spirit. Anybody remember 2 Corinthians 3, 17 and 18? It says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's... So see, if I were the devil, I'd keep you out of the Spirit. I'd keep you out. And then verse 18 says what? But we, with open face, beholding as a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed in the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. So in other words, so I'd keep you out of the Word. Jesus said, my words are spirit, they're life. I'd keep you out of the Spirit, and I'd sure keep you out of the glory. I'd keep you out of the manifest presence of God. I, I, when something big is happening, when God is moving, I'd make you so busy that you don't have time. And, and this is the truth. Some of us in this room, well, well, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. 
I, speak, I, I pray in tongues. You know, I know the word. The Lord knows I love him. This is not about loving Jesus or not loving Jesus. This is about walking in victory. This is about knowing the enemy's devices so that you can win. Everybody say, I'm more than a conqueror. I always win. I always triumph. What's the devil, what's the devil doing? Well, he's doing the same thing he's always done. But what are you doing? What are you doing? You're aware of his weapons. Even if you were before, I'm reminding you. If you've never heard this before, I'm telling you that if, you'll, if you understand the devil's operation, you can rise above it. So then the other thing I want to talk to you about is then, what, so uh, um, how many of the Bible says every joint supplies? Um, in, in Hebrews chapter 10, now this is every pastor's favorite verse. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. Verse 25 is every pastor's, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together. Now you've all done that. And there are people, you know, the weather's the way it is today. And, and you know, we, as a church, as a whole, we have pretty good, you know, people are real consistent about coming to church. But, but in the day and hour we live in, it's not always that way around everywhere because church has become optional. If I can get to it. And I'm grateful you all are not that way. Because the Bible says, don't forsake the assembly of ourselves together the manner that some is, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. Well, the day is approaching, so we need to assemble ourselves together. But why? Verse 24. Because if you're not in the assembly of the fellowship of the saints and of the Holy Ghost, you cannot provoke one another unto good works. You need each other. We need each other. And if I were the devil, I would keep you away from people of like precious faith. If I were the devil, I would keep you away from where the Spirit of God is manifesting. I would make you busy. I, I would make you think it's unimportant. I would make you think that there's a, a viable substitute for assembling together. And yet the Bible says we're a body. And if your heart decided to assemble itself somewhere else, you would die. So everyone in this room is important. Everyone who's watching me, you're important. You need to be vitally connected to a body because you are important to the entire body and we function together as one and bring a supply of the Spirit. But if I were the devil, I would keep you from functioning in the body. I would put you on the outside. I would make you think you're unimportant or your gift is unimportant. Your supply is unimportant. That it's not necessary today, but the Bible says that it is. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We'll look at verses 42 through 47. It says, and they continued steadfastly. There's four th things that you and I to get that the devil is fighting against, but the apostles found and the early church found that everybody needs doctrine. Everybody needs fellowship, not just fellowship vertically. You need fellowship one with another. Everybody needs fellowship one with another. Turn to your neighbor and say, I need you. Turn behind you, even in the back row, and tell them, I need you. Turn the front and say, I need you. And you need me. I need you. You need me. And so we need doctrine. We need fellowship. We need breaking of bread. And we need the prayers. And just... It says, and fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. How many know that's not an accidental put in there? It came because of the fellowship and of the believers together. They were together in unity and one accord. And all the believers together and had all things in common. Verse 45. And they sold their possessions and good and put it all men. And every man had need. Verse 46. And they continued daily. 
that continued daily and with one accord in the temple. So they used to do it every day. They used to do it every day. And, you know, we can't maybe necessarily gather together every day, but that's, I believe, one of the things the Lord is with my daily bread. Uh, and, and, and you all can do this because of Facebook and however you communicate. Um, just staying connected, staying thinking the thoughts of God, staying because you know, there's so much going on. We need each other and we need to help one another. Instead of passing along a political Facebook post, why don't you pass along a spiritual Facebook post? Why don't you let the world do all that nonsense? And why don't you start doing what you can do to change some things? Why don't you tweet something spiritual instead of just something funny? Funny is fine. With your funny, I challenge you to do a spiritual. Keeping everybody you know connected to the vine. Keeping everybody connected one with another. That's what they were doing. Breaking bread from house to house, they meet with the gladness, singleness of heart. Verse 47, and praising God and having favor. And having favor. And ha- all this brought favor of God. Why? Because God likes it. And so if I were the devil, I would keep you from good doctrine. I would keep you from fellowship, and I would make you think that's not important. I would make you think that communion or even sharing a meal with one another, whichever one of those means, I believe that one is more about communion. And I would keep you from prayer group on Sunday night, make you think that you're not called to pray. I'd make you think it's unimportant. Because, see, there's something about coming together that brings a supply of the Spirit. There's something about how you all bounce off of one another. How you're a, a holy, uh, how God creates a holy habitation is that you're one brick on top of the other. Amen? And if I were the devil, <laughs> I would look at the wild kingdom, you know, the show. And how many of you know... The devil is, how does he hunt? Like a roaring lion. Okay, we're about to show you a video. I found this. I love this. Everybody say, for today, today, I am am a water buffalo. Let's look. Is the volume up? Look at the buffaloes going for it. Going for those lions. There's a baby elephant that the 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 lion is trying to eat. Oh, my word. But where's the mother? Buffalo can't do anything for it. Did you just hear, like, one trumpeting noise and then... No noise at all. Little bit of a noise, yeah. Buffalo all trying to come and help. Oh, my word. The lions will chase them off, won't they? The elephant's coming with them. Elephants up survived. Oh my word. It's got it's It's not going with the buffaloes. Oh my word. 
<laughs> Butterflies are chasing lions. Goodness me. Shot. Sure. I don't know where the mother is. Everybody say, I'm a water buffalo. Mm. Can you see? It, it wasn't even a baby water buffalo. It was a baby elephant. And the Bible says the, the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. I don't know how it happened, but that baby elephant was all alone. Its mother was nowhere to be found. And there's a lot, listen to me, I don't often get inspired by things and prophesy, but I'm telling you, in, you there's a lot of baby elephants, people who love God, but no, don't know how to protect themselves. They've not been taught. And so we can say, that's your fault. Or we can become like these water buffaloes and say, your mama's not around. And even though you and I are not exactly alike, I'm going to protect you. And I love that first, I love that first water buffalo. It's like, okay, there's a baby elephant and three or four lions. I can't do this. I'm out. Did you notice how they whirled around and they like gave a call? And then suddenly, here comes the herd. And it didn't take a lot of them. I know they got horns, hallelujah. But I don't, you and I have got something greater. You've got the name of Jesus. You've been taught the word. You know the word. So this week, I want you to go baby elephant helping. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.